Don't waste the summer months staring at a screen trying to figure out who accepts your vision insurance. Pearl Vision works with all major vision plans, including iMed. Plus, when you bring in the receipt from your last eye exam, they'll apply up to $150 towards a new pair of glasses. Visit pearlvision.com to find your neighborhood eye care center today. Valid prescription required. Valid at participating locations. Restrictions apply. Taxes extra. See store for details. Ends 10-31-2022. Exams available at the Independent Doctors of Optometry at or next to Pearl Vision. Some doctors employed by Pearl Vision. G'day everyone, Lauren Kress, the business scientist here. Welcome to another episode of Stick With It. Uh, Okay, so quick question for you. Have you ever felt like other people in your life are sort of almost like in your head telling you who you are and what you can and can't do? Maybe it's really obvious to you or maybe it's something that is like very, very sort of on the periphery of your awareness. I want to dig into today how we can allow other people in our life to define our narrative without even necessarily realizing it. And I'm talking about it from my personal experience with this as someone who, I guess, probably because I am more extroverted, I probably tend to, especially being an extroverted feeler, tend to look at how other people feel about me and what they say about me and really take that on board. Uh, Before we get into that, though, I would like to take a moment to acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. I pay my respects to elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples living and working on the land today, the land that always was and always will be Aboriginal land. And at the moment, this podcast is recorded on Gadigal land, beautiful, beautiful part of the world. Very lucky to be here. So uh, I thought I'd give you a quick update on what's been happening. Uh, And also disclaimer, right at the beginning of this podcast, I am not a mental health expert. Okay. So when I talk about this stuff, I'm always coming from the perspective of here's what I've been through. I do have some knowledge of psychology. Uh, I am sort of currently studying counselling. I say sort of because it's sort of taken a bit of a back seat. Um, And I have also completed a, uh, what was it? A graduate certificate in uh, career development. So I'm a qualified career development practitioner. um, And that also has helped with understanding some of these things, but I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I am a mental health expert and can give you any sort of advice. I mean, if anyone's giving us advice, I kind of worry. I just don't think advice is something that we should be giving out to other people that we don't know, Uh, regardless (laughs) of whether or not you're a mental health expert or not. Uh, we We can ask questions and we can talk about situations that people are in and what may help. But um, that's, you know, that's kind of, I think, uh, where it ends. So I will also, because I'll be talking about some mental health, um, I guess, things to consider, I will make sure that I put some resources in the show notes um, for those who are are looking to get some help. And obviously, also, you can uh, use our lovely search tool, Google, or another search tool, um, to to sort of access great resources. There's fantastic resources out there. Um, All right, so what's been happening? Well, uh, a year ago from Friday last week, I came to Sydney from Townsville for a little trip. Um, It was the first time I'd seen my family for a few months since I'd moved up to Queensland. And I came down for my sister's 30th birthday and I didn't go back to Townsville. And uh, to sort of, I guess, commemorate this big year that I've had uh, since then, I put a little post up on social media that uh, got a lot of like lovely comments. I got so many nice messages from people. Um, I was just sort of telling the story of, you know, how I realized I was gay, uh, you know, my marriage breakup and then uh, where I'm at now um, with my relationship with my beautiful, gorgeous, amazing girlfriend. Um, And yeah, I thought, you know, I'd make it like a little pride month kind of post and I guess like there's something about that. It, it felt like sort of the completion of a gestalt. Uh, so we've talked about gestalts on the show before, but I guess like kind of the completion of a, a, a um, you know, I guess, you know, when you talk about unfinished business, it felt like 
there's this there's, there was this sort of journey that I went through and it's kind of gotten to a point where it feels like I have closure and I'm moving on with my life like the story that story is complete and um yeah so that happened and I'm talking about that I guess because it relates to I guess when those kinds of things happen, sometimes I find it easier to be creative. Like I kind of feel like I've had a bit of a creative rebirth and it's been kind of creeping up the last couple of months, but now I just really feel like, oh, okay. Like I'm, I am at a new level of creativity and I feel like there's a lot more I'm capable of doing uh, now than I was before. So I don't want to make any promises about a weekly show because I've done that before and then I have failed. I used to do weekly. It's just not something that's really feasible for me at the moment and I don't want this podcast to become something that is a drain um, for me or something that I don't look forward to. I want it to uh, remain fun and I also like to be a bit spontaneous with it. So I'm going to commit to monthly because uh, there's still some accountability there than if I just sort of go off and start saying whenever I want to. Um, I'm going to say monthly, if I can do more, I will. Um, and I'm going to try very, very hard not to do less than that. So I thought I would, uh, spend a little bit of time talking about my creative rebirth, but I think it actually also has to do with the topic of today. So I'm probably going to switch between the two, like I often do. Uh, in these sort of stream of consciousness style podcasts. Uh, if you're a new listener, if you if this is the first time uh, you're joining us, welcome. Uh, great to have you here. This is probably a fine podcast episode to uh, start off with. Like there's nothing really that's uh, created in chronological order, but I might refer back to other episodes uh, throughout the podcast if you want to learn more. So for instance, uh, I did a podcast about you know, my sexuality and kind of having that question of, am I bisexual or am I a lesbian? I've also done a podcast about trying to figure out my gender identity stuff. Um, I did that relatively recently. And I'd also talked about fluidity about a year ago as well. So there's things, there's sort of some assumed knowledge about (laughs) where I'm at in my journey on uh, all things like self-identity, self-perception, and those things are going to come into today's episode. so if you're curious about any of them, uh, you should be able to find those episodes pretty easily if you just kind of scroll um, back through uh, the podcast episodes on whatever platform you're uh, listening from. Um, okay, so I guess the, all of this stuff around having my um, identity defined weirdly enough was sparked by uh, me kind of getting a bit more into graphic novels recently. And I've been into graphic novels before. Um, it's a graphic novel and been like, oh, this is cool. Um, but it's something that I guess I kind of I kind of dip in and out of um, when I'm in more creative modes. And now I've just really gotten into them because I also have uh, got a new, I got a new iPad a couple of months ago. And uh, that's also part of the reason I haven't been podcasting because I've just been drawing a lot more Um And I used to love drawing when I was a kid. And then I got to kind of maybe like 11 or 12 or something and I just stopped drawing as much. One of the things that I think stopped me from drawing um, was that I didn't feel like I had the right equipment. I always felt like, oh, I need to get the right paper and the right pens and the charcoals. and And then I didn't know how to use them properly and I was kind of like, felt quite frustrated because I could I knew what I wanted to draw in my head um, but then I felt like the tools I had weren't quite allowing me to create that. Um, so I was very excited to get an iPad and I'm using an app called Procreate which is amazing. It's like 15 bucks for like lifetime access to this application and um, I got some new brushes on the tool. I've been using Skillshare to like learn how to use it so I did like on the day I got my iPad. I went to Skillshare and I basically just like did a whole, I think it was like a two hour course on something on how to use Procreate. Um, I listened to it on like double speed, I think, but that was so helpful to like actually learn how to use it. And then I've just been having so much fun um, illustrating. And so then I think because of that, then I got more into the graphic 
novel stuff. And anyway, I was at like Kinokunya for the second time in like a week um, the other day because uh, I'm really enjoying Alice, Alice Osman's uh, Heartstopper graphic novels. So I loved the show. Um, that's probably a super predictable thing to say. I loved it so much that I think I've watched it. I, I can't even tell you how many times I've watched that um, series. It's It's like probably... I mean, it only came out a few months ago and I am i would say at least like 20 to 30 times, maybe more. Um, I like having it on in the background when I'm doing other things because I also just really like the soundtrack. Um, but I was like, you know, why? there's something about this story that is really, really important to me. I don't know what it is, so I'm just going to keep, you know, playing it and, uh, you know, just, just assume there's nothing wrong with me <laughs> from, uh, from doing that over and over again. And then I found out that they were based on a graphic novel series. So then I was like, oh my God, I need to get the graphic novel series. Um, because I just was like, they're awesome. Um, so actually I've got, I've got some graphic novels here. If you're watching this on, um, video. So this is the fourth volume of Heartstopper, um, by Alice Osman. Um, and that's kind of like I got the third one as well and there's one more to go um, and it's really cool. And if you like Heartstopper, you probably like a graphic novel. Um, and then I also just picked up this book um, by Hilary Fitzgerald Campbell. Um, pretty cool. Her great-grandmother was actually the sister of um, F. Scott Fitzgerald and um, she's a, one of the illustrators at the New York Times. Anyway, she wrote this book called Murder Book, <laughs> a graphic memoir of a true crime uh, obsession and I I love the style. I love the way she um, illustrates this. It's really, really cool. Um, and as I've gotten into this, I'm just like, oh, I love this so much more than reading a book. Like I'm not really someone who's into fiction that much. I'll read it, um, but I'm, I'm kind of like, I guess I have to, I feel like it's quite um, cognitively requires a lot more concentration. And if I've just been working all day, I kind of don't have that level of concentration. Also, tangent, if you're someone who watches the same show over and over again, I actually Googled this, right? I was like, why, you know, why am I doing that? Is that weird? <laughs> and um, apparently we tend to have like go-to shows that we watch over and over and over again um, when we're feeling really overloaded. Um, so we don't, we want to relax so we don't necessarily want to watch something or read something new. So we go to like our old favourites because we already know it. We don't have to learn about characters, new worlds, um, which is more tasking on our brains. Um, so we go back to the things that we're like, oh, yeah, okay. I know the, I know the character. You know, I've watched Seinfeld lots of times. Um, I can never really seem to get through the whole of Friends. At some point it starts irritating me and I just I can't watch the whole thing, but I don't mind it. I just can't do all of it. Um, I'm going through Shit's Creek for like the third time. That's a pretty good series as well. Um, but anyway, I digress. So I was thinking about all of this and I was like, you know, I've been living by myself in my own um, studio for almost a year, just just a bit under a year, I guess like 11 months. And, um, and also I haven't been married. Like when I, with, with my ex, like, we were together from, like, I met him when I was 17, then we were together on, on and off again from the time I was 18 to the time I was 31. So that's, um, that's, I guess, like, part of what I'm talking about today. When you have um, people who've known you for a long time, sometimes it's almost like you feel like you're being defined by the container they put you in. Um, and I think I'm just someone who's a, a bit more susceptible to it or have been in the past um, because I was so, I guess, ungrounded in who I was. So I, instead of going like, I know who I am, it was like, I don't know who I am, so I'm just going to go by what other people tell me. Um, my parents, more, a lot more my mum, and then my ex and my siblings and uh, then my extended family and um, not so much my friends. Um, I think less so my friends, but definitely, uh, my, my family and my ex and things like that. And I think, I think there's some certainly shame that I have felt about being able to even admit that to myself that like, I would let other people 
define who I am. Um, it's like, no, no, I don't care about what other people think. I don't care about what other people think. And that's kind of true. And I think there's a difference between what we sometimes see as like the, um, you know, uh, I think a lot of people listening to this show um, would be familiar with uh, things like, you know, conditioning, what we're conditioned to believe, what we're conditioned to do. Um, so an example would be like um, a really simple example might be like, uh, you know, you you have to go to school, you have to go to work. Um, that's a concept that we're conditioned to kind of accept. Yes, okay, if, to be a um, member of this society, I need to go and get a job. Another one might be that in order to be a successful person, I need to get married, I need to have kids. Um, I am not really that successful unless I've traveled overseas. You know, depending how you're raised, how you're brought up, those beliefs um, and the values that you hold are gonna be different. And that's, that's one aspect of kind of, I guess, what some of the things we try to unlearn when we do things like therapy or um, when we do things like uh, any sort of like self-discovery, I guess, um, or self-exploration uh, kind of activity, whether it's reading a self-help book, listening to a podcast, or, um, you know, going and seeing a therapist, or, you know, looking at different resources, doing narrative therapy, writing, um, art, you know, art therapy, uh, in relationships. There's lots of ways that we can learn and unlearn um, behaviours and, um, you know, adapt our beliefs and our values and th rethink what we, how we think of our capability. And what I want to talk about today is a little bit different. This is more about identity and self-perception. So for a long time, I would say even as a teenager, because my parents went to couples therapy when I was like 15, 16, and my mum would tell me all about it. <laughs> she would be like, it was really interesting. Like I discovered this today. And like I, I realised that my parents had brought me up like this and actually that's not necessarily true. And, you know, I started questioning that. That was actually really helpful. I'm really glad that my mum did that because I then from a really young age was aware of like, oh, there's the way that I've been, um, what I've been taught isn't necessarily true. So I kind of had that, you know, element of doubt about, oh, you know, this is what I've thought to be true. Anyway, but jumping back to me suddenly being interested in graphic novels, I had this thought, I don't think I finished this story. I had this thought, I was in Kinokunya and I was looking through some stuff and I thought, I really love this. I really love the way this content comes together. I think this is really cool. And I was like, why didn't I, why didn't I explore art more? You know, why didn't I explore illustration more and storytelling more? And why did I go into like doing science? And why did I go into that kind of side of things? And I had even been encouraged, like when I was at school, my art teacher begged me to continue doing art. Like in, I, like I, I stopped art in at the end of year eight, because basically if you're, um, well, I don't even know if it works the same in Australia. Now. I was going to say, if you're not in Australia, it might even be different um, now for like younger listeners. But when I went to school, basically it was like you did year seven and eight um, and then you chose your electives for year nine and ten, um, but you still did most of the core subjects. So you'd still do like science, maths, English. We had to do religion because I went to a religious school. Uh, that's that's a subject for another, another day, I think. Um uh, what else did we have to do? Anyway, you know, like we had to do like the the sort of what was considered the core subjects and then um, we could choose. So we could choose whether we wanted to do like um, uh, sports, like I think it was called like sports science. Um, we could do music, art, um, design technology, uh, food technology, a bunch of other things. And I... Uh, I wanted to do music and art or music and sports science, but I was always going to do music. And uh, then and the, the reason I was always going to do music is basically from the time I was very young, from the time I was five, I was kind of like, 
told to do music. <laughs> so it was like, uh, I remember one day my mum was like, you're going to learn the violin. And I was like, I don't know what a violin is. Okay. Um, I would really like to learn the flute because it has buttons. I love the idea of flutes having buttons. And she's like, no, no, no. I think she just didn't like the flute <laughs> and the sound it made. So she's like, no, 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 violin. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, and I was also playing a little bit of piano at the time. And I ended up learning both. So violin and piano throughout um, primary and high school. And so I was like, well, I have to do music because I'm going to do music all the way through to year 12. I didn't even really question that. And then I was like, uh, art and music clashed. So then I did design and technology and I d- did not do well in design and technology. <laughs> I think I would have done a lot better in art. Um, the only time I did well in design and technology was when we had to do um, an art project. I think I've mentioned it on the show before. Um, and I got like this this summer scholarship uh, for this this thing that I had drawn. Um, but yeah, not so great with with uh, the the design and technology part. So anyway, all of that to say that I left art in like, it was sort of like one of those things that I just didn't see myself doing for whatever reason. Like I always have loved uh, art, but I didn't see myself doing that. And I now think that's probably because of little things that, you know, I had been told, like, you know, you can't make a lot of money out of art. Uh, funnily uh, enough though like my um, late uncle was like a professional artist he was an artist for the Sydney Morning Herald Um, and for years and years and years and my um, cousins are amazing illustrators and uh, my grandmother is great at art so it was like in the family but it was kind of like my mum was a scientist and my mum wanted me to do music and I guess I just kind of took that on board I was just like oh that's that's what I need to be into um, and now I actually don't have really any that, that much interest in music at all. Like I know um, the, t- the technical stuff, like I know how to um, compose. I know, like I know the basics of that. I know how music works. I know um, music theory in quite a lot of depth. Um, I also know how to practice to be good at music and to perform. My sister is uh, a musician um, and kind of took that more into her least, you know, not full career, but it's part of her career. And uh, everyone thought I was going to do music. And anyway, I just didn't want to do it. So I did a science degree. Um, I started off studying psychology, thinking that's what I was going to do. And then I still have landed in a relatively creative field. Um, Anyway, and I guess like in an instant, all of that background (laughs) was something I was thinking about when I was at Kinokunya and I was looking at these books and I was like, I love this. I would love to have done this. There's no reason I can't do this still. Maybe I should just start drawing and see what happens. And, um, and for some reason that made me think about um, all of this stuff that I got confused about with my sexuality and my gender um, because it's all around self-perception and self-identity. So what I, who I believed I was, wasn't about looking within myself and going, this is what, it didn't come from within. It came from outside. It was like outside, this is what people are saying and telling me I am and who I need to be. And that must them, that was what, my self-concept became. My self-concept became what other people told me it was. And so the little voice inside of me that hadn't even really probably had much of an opportunity to, um, to, to develop, you know, was already kind of being crushed, but not intentionally. It wasn't like people outside of me were going like, I'm going to crush you. <laughs> it was just that, you know, when other people outside of, I think especially for people who have parents who are, or a parent who is quite good at um, storytelling and probably does have quite a lot of insight into who you are and they've kind of made up a narrative of who you are and then they tell it to you over and over again, it's very difficult to not uh, believe that because especially if you're being praised, you know, so if you're being told like you're so great at violin or you're so great at science, you're so good at maths, um, 
you oh I saw that you liked that boy I so I could see that you got a bit nervous you know those types of things are going to all like affect affect how how you well for some of us and I think it also depends on our personality so if you've got a parent who um I I think this is a lot of the EJ parents because EJs especially like the field so that the ENFJs ESFJs it's like there and I'm not I'm not blaming EJ I'm not saying this is just EJs <laughs> Like, um, and, oh, by the way, if you're interested in personality stuff, I have done some videos and stuff on that. So if you don't know what I'm talking about, you're like, well, what is Lauren talking about? Um, I'll put some links in the show notes or you can also just. Um... Oh, we could, we could fly. This is your summer. That means Six Flags in the taste of an ice cold Coca-Cola. We're talking thrilling coasters, delicious burgers, yes. real moments together and this. Coke is summer refreshment when you need it most, so you can hop on another ride or race down a slide at the water park. Six Flags and Coca-Cola. Come make it yours. Visit sixflags.com slash Coke to save up to $20 on passes, plus daily tickets starting at $34.99. Progressive presents Married to Your Home. I'm disgusting. Oh, house, don't say that. You could live someplace so much better than me. That's not true. Oh, yeah? Look at these uneven stairs. Gross. House, you know I don't care. Ugh, and the squeaky door hinge. I think it's cute. No matter how much you already love your house, you'll love it more knowing you could save big bundling your home and auto with Progressive. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and third-party insurers. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations you know, have a, have a Google as well. Um, but I sort of like MBTI 16 personalities is what I'm talking about um, here. So you have, um, oh, what was going to say? So parents who are kind of, I think that the IJs do this, some of the IJs do this as well. Um, it's like when they're, ex, it's external uh, thinking, external uh, feeling where it's like, okay, I'm basically assuming that I I know you so well. Like one of the things about the ENFJ that's like kind of, I guess, a bit of a trope is like, um, <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll tell you what your, what your opinion is. You know, like I, I know you, you better than you know yourself. That was actually something that I heard a lot growing up was like, I know you better than you know yourself sometimes, you know, so that you end up kind of have for me and my personality, I ended up being like, oh, okay, like I better go with what you say instead of hearing what I, hearing my own feelings. I couldn't, it's quite hard for me to identify my own feelings a lot of the time, especially when I was younger. So instead of going by my own feelings, I would go by what other people felt and what other people said. So there were things from within me at a really young age. It was like, no, I, I don't want to be a girl. I don't want to be a girl. Why do you, why do you keep saying that? Why can't I have my hair shorter? Why can't I cut my hair? That's cool. I like the way that looks. Um, why can't I dress up this way? You know? And it was sort of like, oh no, you just can't. It's like, oh, okay. And I just kind of accepted that. And then when I was older, it was like, I rebelled against those things, but it was still in reaction to the same thing as in oh okay like so you're saying I I'm not like this I'm gonna go against it to prove that I am like this or you're saying I am like this I'm gonna go against it to prove that I'm not like that um I'm just trying to think of an example like I got pretty into experimenting with like I guess like recreation, some recreational drugs, not a lot. Like I'm not like really big into that stuff. I'm not against it either. Um, but I was kind of brought up was like no alcohol, no drugs, no sex before marriage, all that kind of stuff. So then I was like, I'm going to prove that I'm like into this stuff, (laughs) you know? And like, then I would kind of talk about that. Like, Oh yeah, I did this. And I, I would tell, um, you know, people in my family who I knew didn't want that to happen. I, I would tell them that I'd done that to like prove that they were wrong, you know, but it wasn't about what I necessarily wanted either. Um, same with smoking, like I ended up smoking for a long time. It was kind of like, yeah, like you thought I was a good girl. Well, I'm not, I'm doing this. Um, what, like I gave up smoking, like 
I found it so hard to quit smoking for years and years and years. And then literally I came down Sydney last year and then I never touched a cigarette again. Like I just am like, I'm not interested in smoking at all. Like I have not, I'm not even vaped. I've done nothing. Like I just got completely turned off cigarettes because it was suddenly like there was, I didn't feel angry anymore. I didn't feel like I was fighting against something to try to prove something. It was just like, I am who I am and I accept myself. I belong to myself. So I don't really give a fuck what anyone else thinks now. And I never had that sense of self before. Um, it was like I finally was finally the little me inside me that was going, listen, 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 was getting listened to. Um, and anyway, so this is this is a very non-linear podcast today, but they all the thing, everything is connected. So that Heartstopper show that I was talking about before, and for those who don't not know Heartstopper, it's like one of the top uh, Netflix shows. They've just um, announced that they're going to do a season two, which I'm so excited about. Um, really, really sweet story and also deals with some difficult um, topics as well that like teenagers kind of go through. And I really, like looking at it now, I really identify with the character Nick. Um, and I don't want to give too much away if you haven't seen it, like go and see it. It's awesome. But those who have seen it, um, I'll say enough so that you know what I mean. The thing that I, I didn't necessarily realize, I was like, there's something about this character that I can really relate to. And, um, and I, there was parts that I kind of knew, like there were parts of the dialogue that I was like, yeah, that's exactly how I felt. Um, and Nick's uh, MBTI, according, according to Alice Osman in her book, is um, uh, ESFJ. Um, so ESFJs are going to have a uh, high extroverted feeling. That's their, like, first cognitive function. And then um, second is um, the introverted sensing. So which is which is sort of different to me but also not like I have both introverted sensing and extroverted feeling. It's just that they're my bottom two, not my top two. Um, so we have all four of the same cognitive functions, the ESFJs and the ENTPs. Um, yeah. Have I got that right? Yeah, we do. Ah, interesting. Um, it's just that we use them in different ways. So I was like, okay, we, that makes sense. We have the same four cognitive functions. So we're going to have the same types of, um, preferences in terms of how we think about things and one of the things that Nick says in one of the episodes is like I feel like or he says to someone else like have you ever felt like your real personality is buried deep inside you and you've kind of it's like can't remember exactly how he says it even though I've seen it like 20 times <laughs> like it's like you haven't had that opportunity for who you are to really you kind of just been going along with other people and I was like, that's exactly how I have felt. And I think that's that thing around um, people, other people in your life defining the narrative of who you are. It's like, I'm kind of just got like my real personality isn't this, but I can't get to it because I don't have, I'm not an introverted, well, my preference isn't to in, feel introverted feeling. And my extroverted feeling in my case is not one of my first top preferences either. So my go-to is not, are not things that, um, that I really, you know, I guess like feeling wise, it's hard for me to feel, feel what I feel. <laughs> it's like, I don't pay that much attention to it. And then add on top of that, I'm pretty sure like undiagnosed, but I'm pretty sure I have at least mild ADHD as well. So I, it's hard for me to focus on things that I don't want to pay attention to. I, I just ignore them for like a really long time. So, um, yeah, I think for me, my personal experience has been that, oh, other people know me better or I don't like what they've said about me, so I'm going to rebel against it, but it hasn't come from within. And then interestingly enough, the um, – so Charlie, who's the other one of the other main characters in Heartstopper, his personality type is ISTP, which is the same as my girlfriend's ISTP. Um, and ISTPs and the IPs in general are known 
as the the sort of uh, personalities who are really actually, it's like they really do know who they are and society around them, if if that's in conflict, it's almost like they can kind of be people who end up kind of going, oh, I don't really like people that much. I don't really like they, they they're like very individual they're their own individuals they're like I don't really I get that other people do their life differently but what does that have to do with me you know my girlfriend says that all the time it's like yeah sure other people might think that what does that have to do with me <laughs> and, and it's so like natural to her and I love that I'm like that's so cool um but that's not what I'm like you know so I am kind of like no like what other people think and feel is important and um and maybe there's things that I haven't thought about that other people have thought about. Maybe there's other things that people have seen that I haven't seen. Um, and so their perceptions, I need to take their perceptions into account as well. I can't just take my own perception into account because that's, I'm a, I'm a sample size of one, you know. How do all the other people see, how does everyone else see this? How does everyone else think about this? And then, you know, outside what's going on, what does that mean for things like, how I should spend my time, what I should invest in, what I should get my job in, um, who I should date, uh, how I should date them. So those stories have a lot of impact. For me, they have a lot of impact. The stories that have been told and then therefore the stories I've told myself about, no, no, I couldn't really be like that because X, Y and Z person said I wasn't. They told me I was like this. So I'm probably not seeing it. I need to see it more through their eyes. I need to see myself through their eyes, not through my own eyes. And I think I've spent most of my life seeing myself through other people's eyes. And then it's like part of that makes how I define myself now so important. Like how, how I'm perceived is still important to me, but it's like I've taken more control over it. So, for instance, I'm like how I dress has a really big has a really big significance to me. Um, and if I feel like, like one thing I've realized, if I feel like people are seeing me as a woman, it's really difficult for me because I'm like, no, that's that's not who I am. How can you not see that? Look at how I'm portraying myself. Look at how I talk and I move my body and what I'm interested in. Like, it's really obvious that my gender isn't uh, a woman. Like my, that's that's not who I am. And then there's another part of me that intellectually goes, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter if people see you as a woman or not. Who cares? But it's like, but it does matter to me because that's something that I am like, no, it needs to match. It needs to match. Like I need people to see me the way that I view myself. Otherwise, it's really difficult for me to exist in the world and feel like I belong so that's been something that I've been wrestling with um but recently I think I've realized that like actually I need to I need to just I need to almost like do a bit more introversion <laughs> I need to get better at the introverted version stuff I need to do a little bit more of the opposite of what my cognitive functions are and kind of practice that so um doing things like reading and writing and creating for me are the more introverted um things uh and they kind of help me I guess feel more grounded so even though I love going out with people and listening to people's ideas and stuff I'm like I also don't want to let certain ideas in right now because I'm still trying to like build my foundations of like my identity it's almost like I feel like I've been trying to build them back um, from scratch like I, I have that cliche like I really want to get a super cliche tattoo which is like phoenix rising from the ashes made my girlfriend laugh I was like Shh, no it's cool it'll be cool um, I know it's probably super cliche but there's something about that um, finding the right person for the job isn't easy just ask someone who hired a drama coach to be an IT guy yeah I'm having trouble logging in I'm not buying it say it again this time with feeling I can't log in Come on, man. I want to feel your struggle. But if you've got an insurance question, you can always count on your local GEICO agent. They can bundle your policies, which could save you hundreds. Now, like your life depends on it. I can't log in. Yes, we'll make an actor out of you yet. For expert help with all your insurance needs, visit geico.com slash local today. Metaphor, that is, that's really how I feel about my life. Is kind of like I had to have this real rebirth 
and almost go back to questioning everything that I had thought about myself because I was like, it didn't come from inside. So ignore everything else, what's happening inside. Like just, just, you know, and people said to me like, oh, you know, when you go through a divorce or a separation or end your marriage, it's like, you've got to be selfish for a while. And I was like, I don't know what that means. But I don't think actually it's about being selfish. And I think selfish is a problematic word. I think it's just being a little bit more introspective and going, okay, cool. Like I'm not going to go to my default cognitive functions. Um, By the way, I keep mentioning cognitive functions, bit of assumed knowledge there too. I have done a video about cognitive functions. If you're interested, I'll put the link in the show notes so you can catch up with that if if you're interested. Um, So... Yeah, I guess like, I'm like, okay, how do I do the other things? And yeah, illustrating has actually been really, really helpful for me. So I'm kind of like, all right, cool. That's that's what I'm going to do. And it's like all in this, it's all connected <laughs> because I'm like, it was also the thing that made me realize that the way I'd been talking about myself in my head was from someone else's perspective, you know. Um, my like my primary carer's perspective rather than from myself and um and I'm like I'm not fighting that anymore but it went before it was like a this is the story that I think they would say about me I'm going to fight that and combat that and prove that wrong now I'm like it's I'm not reacting or not reacting to it I'm it's just not relevant to me anymore I'm not thinking about that I'm just doing my own thing and um and that's very like liberating and so exciting because it's like now I'm actually being myself. And for a while I was worried. I was like, oh, people are going to look at me and be like, oh, my God, Lauren's changed so much about themselves, like hair, pronouns, language, um, like language is in body language as well as just how I talk I think has changed a bit, clothing, all these things, type of content, um focus priority outlook on life like so many things have changed um they must have been they must be faking it or that's so cliche that they've just like completely changed who they are and I'm like not worried about that either anymore I'm kind of like well I just went on this massive journey and it was life-changing and pretty transformative and of course there's going to be differences and I'm just going to focus on like figuring myself out and who I am today is probably going to be a little bit different to who I am tomorrow because I don't think we're like this fixed being that like stays in one place it's actually one thing I've been thinking a lot about with like personality types like you know MBTI theory assumes that people's personalities stay the same throughout their lives but I'm like that's not necessarily that's pretty difficult to prove right like and it's also like people you know the reliability of the test isn't such that people are necessarily going to get the same MBTI personality every time. Um, there's other theories that are like, actually, no, these things change a little bit. Your personality is like formed when you're younger, but it's not completely, you know, uh, you can learn things uh, about stuff that that kind of allows you to change. So I think there's so much we still don't understand about who we are and how that all works. But I think like um, I found like uh, Untamed really helpful for that, like uh, by Glenn Doyle. So there's a part where she's talking about sort of like your knowing, like um, tuning into your knowing. And for me, that makes a lot of sense. Like, oh, yeah, there is a part of me that knows and feels like it's wrong. It's just that I've had a lot of doubt around it. I remember feeling like that, like, but I know, but I don't know. You know, I know, but I don't know because I need external validation. It's I can't just validate this for myself and that be enough. I wish I could, but it's really difficult for me. And maybe at some point I'll get to to the point where I don't need that external validation, Um, but maybe I won't. And I think a lot of us, a lot of us do. And I think especially if you have got a similar personality type to me, probably mostly the EPs, but also probably the EJs as well. Um. Actually, even maybe the IJs. I think it's mainly the IPs who are kind of a little bit um, more protected from this. Is like we feel like 
Yeah, we all want external validation. External validation is helpful. I mean, that's what a lot of the research is. External validation, recognition, these are important things. We want to feel like we belong outside with the people who are um, who are outside of us, whether that's our just our immediate closest friends and family or it's broader, that might be different. And, you know, I guess everyone, every single person who doesn't have... Um, you know, we're excluding people who have like very extreme personality disorders, like um, antisocial personality disorder and those kinds of things. Like we all at somewhat care about what society thinks, which is why we don't just do absolutely anything we want. Like you wouldn't walk around naked in the streets. Like we just don't do that. Um, if someone did do that, we kind of be like, um, what are they doing? <laughs> What's going on? Um, if everyone did it, then that would change. Um Anyway, so yes, that was what I've been thinking about. I, I kind of wanted to share that because I just think there's probably a lot of other people who have can identify with that in some way and might find it helpful. Um, like I said, I'm not a, I'm not a therapist. I'm not a mental health expert. Um, I will put some resources, links to resources in um, the podcast show. And I kind of wanted to leave you with this question, which is not completely related today, but I just woke up thinking about this and I was like, that would be such an interesting social experiment. I was like, what if we took everything in the world today, just as it is? And let's assume, because I think most people still exist in the paradigm of like gender binary, right? You're either male or female, that's it, unfortunately. And so I'm like using that paradigm as an assumption, which I do not agree with, what would happen if we took people who believed in that and we put them in a space where now everything that they said had to be reversed? So we called people who they currently identify as women, we said use the word men, and then we swapped it. So people who identify as um, men, we would use the word women. And I thought about this question because also from Glennon Doyle's book, she has this part, I forgot about this, but where like her teacher had been explaining something and it was like they had said, um, woman is woman as in womb of man. And I was like, and she had said this as well, like, hang on, that doesn't make sense because actually everyone comes from women, right? And actually we're all born, like, so not born, but like the way the embryo is um is de it develops basically it's like all um embryos start off biologically their sex is female and then um you know then the genitalia gets like refined later so even if you have xy chromosomes or say like xxy chromosomes you still start off as um with female genitalia and I was like, really? So it should actually be the other way around. <laughs> it should be that uh, people who are quote unquote men um, and have the biological sex of uh, male or identify as male actually should be women because it's womb of men. And the, the starting point is the XX, the female body, um, which should then be men if we actually went by their literal, literal definition. And I was like, because there's all these biases on like Google and stuff or like you, it's really weird, but like with like language tools and stuff, it's like Google will say, <laughs> Google did this thing where they looked at like all of the stuff out on the web. This is a few years ago. And they went, this is like fucked up by the way, but it's also funny. Um, so it was like, okay, um, that was one of the ways you test language capability of an AI tool is you use like analogies. So it said like um, uh, astronaut, I think it was like a man is an astronaut, a woman is a, and it's meant to say astronaut, right? That's how it's meant to kind of, that analogy is meant to work. And it says woman is wife. <laughs> or like a man can be an astronaut, a woman can be wife. And I was like, so if you kept all of the Google stuff the same and then you just reversed it and then you said everyone's now going to use the language in the opposite way, what would actually happen? What would happen to the way we thought about ourselves, the way we thought about what we could do, um, the way we thought about our identity and our sense of self? 
and I think part of the reason I was thinking this is because I have these arguments sometimes with people who think that, you know, like I'm kind of like, look, you know, it, it doesn't make sense that we're like saying to kids, you're like at, a, at an age that they have no ability to to say anything back really um you're a boy and you're you're a girl and like give and defining their gender for them at such a young age uh to me it makes more sense that you would allow a kid to just be a kid be gender neutral and use gender neutral language and then at an age when they're old enough in their you know in their teens or whatever would be deemed psychologically appropriate then you would say, like, you can you can decide, you know, you decide who you are. And I've said that to people and sometimes they'll say things like, oh, no, but you don't want to confuse and brainwash kids. And I was like, that's what we do now. What we do now is we brainwash and confuse kids because we say, oh, you have this reproductive system, therefore these are all the things you're meant to like, these are all the things you're meant to do and all the things you're meant to want in your life. And, oh, you're a girl, therefore the same. These are all things you're meant to want to do, who you're meant to want to be romantically involved with, how you, um, what you can and can't do later in life, what you should want and you shouldn't want from your life. Oh, only boys do that, only girls do that. That's brainwashing. That's what we do to kids now. So I'm like, it's kind of, and I'm like, a really good example of that is if you flipped it, if you said, let's just use all the language in reverse. Keep all the stuff the same. We're just going to reverse the language. What would happen? Um, anyway, so I just wanted to put that out there to have a think about, little thought experiment. What would happen? What do you think would happen? Um, if you want to chat with me, uh, probably the best way to do that would be through LinkedIn Messenger or um, LinkedIn Messenger is like LinkedIn. My LinkedIn profile is public, so it's really easy to get in touch with me um, and reach out to me. Uh, you can use Instagram, but I have a private Instagram account and you can use Facebook, but it's also private. Um, and I guess you could use Twitter. My Twitter handle is at LaurenCress89, but like I don't really use Twitter that much. <laughs> so LinkedIn, LinkedIn is the place to go. Um, I'm going to be doing some cool stuff with my website in the next few weeks too. So um, I'll tell you guys about that maybe next time we chat. Um, but if you're curious, please feel free to also head over to laurencress.com to see what I'm doing. Um, all right. Have an awesome week and uh, I'll talk to you next time. Cheers, guys.